So let's jump into Daniel chapter 1. If you have your copy of the scriptures right there with you, Daniel chapter 1, we're going to work through that together. The big phrase here today is, why even bother? Why even bother? You know, if you're going to lose, or if no one is going to see, or if no one will ever know, why even bother? I read a story uh, a while back of an individual who had a bunch of people around for dinner, and he was telling them about a little town in, it's called Flagstaff, and it was in Maine. And he mentioned that this town was going to have a dam built in front of it, and they were going to flood that dam as a water preserve uh, for a local city. And he mentioned that they told all of the residents of of that town that their homes would be flooded and everything would be lost, and they would relocate them. And they gave them over a half a year's notice on this. And he mentioned that the interesting thing about all of the residents of that town is after they knew this, none of them ended up doing anything to their homes. You know, why paint? Why paint if your home is going to be flooded? Why do any kinds of repairs if you knew that the whole town would be wiped out? And basically everyone in that town eventually got the idea why even bother? Why even bother? And so today we're actually going to be looking at a passage of scripture of a number of young people who had that question presented to them. Why even bother? And Daniel chronicles the lives of four young men, teen young men, and we know their names, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And they were presented with this question, why even bother? Now I want to mention, let's just start right out in Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 mention the context of why they could have said, why bother? Because right off the bat it mentions Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon. He came in, he conquered Judah, which was the city, the the area of Israel that they lived in, Nebuchadnezzar conquered Judah. He also conquered their king, Jehoiakim. And then he took even the articles of the temple of God and took all of that and took them back to his temples, to his gods back in Babylon. And then you go to verses 3 through 7 of Daniel 1. And Nebuchadnezzar not only conquered Judah, conquered Jehoiakim and took the articles of the temple, he also took a number of young men of royal lineage, of Jehoiakim's and kingly lineage, and took them back to Babylon with him. And these individuals were seized, and they were a number of individuals, but of them we know the four individuals that I mentioned already, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now think of what life was like before those individuals were captured. We already know that they were royalty. They had special lineage. And so their life was set. I mean, they were in the upper echelons of the financial end. They had it made. Some believe that Daniel was even in the line of David, King David. They were not only in the top financial category, they had recognition, they had their future was set, they had future positions set, they had future wealth set, they were entitled to the best education 
of the entire realm of Judah. They also, for the future, would have been able to choose their own wife, and their lineage would have had notoriety. Verse 4 in Daniel 1, let me read this for you. It mentions about them specifically, from the royal family and nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. Those are the kinds of guys we're talking about. This is what their lives were like before they were captured. These were top-of-the-line young men, everything going for them in life. Their future was set. And then in came Nebuchadnezzar, conquered their country, conquered their king, defeated their lineage. They were captured, and literally just in a moment, not only did he conquer their country, he conquered their expectations. All of their future was done. Everything in their life was completely disrupted. Now let's talk about disruptions for a moment. I'm being disrupted right now by a jet flying overhead. You know, you just can't always plan disruptions. In fact, not planning disruptions. I'll tell you what happened last week. It was the day before we were going to tape. And I had my very first ever kidney stone. You know, um, some of you know what that is like to have a kidney stone. And here I am laying in bed in ER in the hospital saying, why am I preaching on life's disruptions? You know, it seems like whatever I preach on, it ends up happening to me. So I just want you to know my next series is going to be on how to handle extreme wealth with great delight. That's, that's going to be my next sermon series. I'm looking forward to that. Um, so some of you know <clears throat> what a kidney stone is like, but I've got to admit, I've got nothing on Daniel. And I don't know what your life has been like. I don't know what you've been through. Let me tell you, when we understand what Daniel has gone through, None of us have anything on Daniel. In fact, let's just take a moment. Let's confess. Go on the chat. Go on the comment. I'm going to go on there in just a moment. You're going to see my name pop up. And let's all put in there, I've got nothing on Daniel. I've got nothing on Daniel. Let's just confess it. Let's just get it out there. My kidney stone, nothing. Nothing on Daniel. Our circumstances, Nothing on Daniel. Wait till you see what this guy went through. We've got nothing on Daniel. And you know, I don't know if we could land on a better book of the Bible to help us navigate our current world events than the book of Daniel. And I just want to encourage you right now, don't cheat yourself. Let's read through the book of Daniel. Read through chapter 1 if you haven't already. Read through chapter 2 before we come back again next Sunday. Talk to your small group about this book of the Bible. Pray to God that he'll help you be changed by what we talk about in this book. I don't want this just to be a Bible study. I want this to be a life change opportunity for us. This book is rich for everything that we're going through. When life changes 
this book is going to help us talk through all of that. For those times that we ask, why even bother? That's what this book is all about. I see some dark clouds coming. So how about we go inside and talk about the rest of our study today? Hey, so welcome inside our auditorium. It's been a little while since we've been in here together. And we're doing a number of things. Um, we are actually doing some run-throughs to get ready and get prepared for our live service because we not only want to be able to do a good job in here, we want to be able to do a good job for our taping to our online campus and those in our church at home when we get ready to live stream on June 14th. Daniel 1. Here's the big thing that we need to talk about today is that our disruptions demand devotion to God. Our disruptions demand devotion to God. Now, some today are asking, why even bother? Why even bother? And I know that I'm talking to a camera. You know, but I, I need to get through a camera and I need to talk to you directly. Because this is, this is big. Why even bother? Some of you are asking that today about your marriage. Why even bother? You know, my, my spouse doesn't care. They don't even recognize all that I'm doing. Why should I even bother? Some of you are saying this about your job. You know, they don't understand my value to the company or I'm not even paid what I'm worth. Why even bother? Some kids say this about your parents. You know, my parents... Don't treat me the way that I should, or, or I don't even feel that they recognize all that I can do. Why even bother? Or some with their relationship in their church. You know, no one even knows what I do for my church. No one knows how much I give. No one knows the service that I do. Why even bother? You know, or maybe it's your service to your community. Maybe it's what you do for your neighbor. Why even bother? Some of you might even be saying that in relationship to, um, to a friendship. You know, my friend, why even bother with what I do? They don't recognize me as a friend the way that I recognize them as a friend. Why do I even bother to care? And for those that ask why even bother, Daniel is the book for you, and it's the book for me, because I, this is what happened to Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar stepped on the scene. And Daniel and his three companions, their lives changed forever. So when Nebuchadnezzar stepped on the scene, he captured a number of teen boys from Judah. And he took them back to Babylon, and he gave them all names that corresponded with Babylonian gods. And so um, we understand for, for Daniel, his name that corresponded with the Babylonian god was Belshazzar. And then for Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, their names turned to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they all corresponded with gods. They all had special meaning for gods. It's interesting that Daniel's god name, Belteshazzar, means Bel, the god Bel or Baal, saves and rescues. And so, so Nebuchadnezzar was making a statement to these people from Judah, to these youth from Judah, that their God meant nothing and his gods meant everything. 
And then not only did Nebuchadnezzar capture them, not only did he give them names corresponding with Babylonian gods, Nebuchadnezzar had these young men castrated. And I'm gonna, there's, a, there's a passage back in 2 Kings. It's a prophecy. Let me, let me read it for you. It says, The word king, came to King Hezekiah, and some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, who will be born to you will be taken away, and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. And this is a direct result of that prophecy for Daniel and his comrades and even these other individuals from Judah that were captured and taken away along with them. They were castrated. And this was a statement by Nebuchadnezzar. He ended their lineage. He demanded full submission and he made a big statement to them. And then he put them under the direct rule of Ashpenaz, this was the chief of the eunuchs and the court officials, and, and Ashmanez was the one that dictated exactly what they were going to be doing. And then there was a three-year indoctrination program that Nebuchadnezzar had them in where they were going to be learning the language, the culture, the history, and the religion of the Babylonians. And this was an intense program for all of these young men from Judah. And then he also gave them what Nebuchadnezzar considered the best foods. And these were foods that were also offered to the gods, the idols of Babylon. And then when Nebuchadnezzar captured Judah, he took captive numerous teen boys. And we know the names of four. But here's a couple passages that let us know that there were a number of them, not just four in chapter 1, verse 6, it says, among those who were chosen were some from Judah. And then in verse 13, when they were eating of this meat and the foods that Nebuchadnezzar prepared, it says, then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat of the royal food. So there were, there were a number of young men that were taken. And all of these young men that were taken they were put in this program. They were put under Ashpenaz. They were castrated. They would never see their family again. They would never see their country again. They would never see the temple again. They would never hear worship again. They would never see their Torah or their Bible again. All of their life was upended. And so the question would be, why even bother for them? And here's the truth. We know only four names of all of the names of the youth that were taken captive. And we believe the reason why we only know four names is because there were only four that answered that question right, why even bother? And all of the rest, the influence of Babylon was too much and they became no different than those around them. So I'm going to tell you the lesson of Daniel 1 and we need to pull this into our hearts. We need to really embrace this today. And here's the lesson of Daniel 1 that disruption demands devotion to God. When our lives are disrupted, it demands our devotion. We need to be devoted. It heightens it. And so take this, take this first thought about devotion. Devotion starts in our heart. Devotion starts in our heart. And in verse 8, it's a key verse. We've already gotten up through verse 7 with the background. Verse 8 is a key verse for Daniel chapter 1 because here Nebuchadnezzar comes in and he offers these foods 
for all of the individuals, the, the youth of Judah, and he says, I want them to take of these meats and the, and the wine, and it should make them healthy and great. And, and, and there's been a lot of different thought about the food itself that, that Daniel and the three others refused. And so I Googled it, and I tried to find out what was the big deal about the food. And if you look it up, you'll see different things like the Daniel diet. You'll see some people look at this and they'll try to justify maybe a vegetarian diet. And so you really ask the question, what's the big deal about the food that's there? Well, I'll give you two different thoughts about the food. Number one, most likely it involved meat from different kinds of animals that were forbidden in the law of Moses. However, the big deal about the food that was presented, the meat and also the wine, is that there probably wasn't any meat or even a single plot of grapes in all of Babylon that were not first offered to idols and then were presented to these youth of Judah. And Daniel knew that God brought Judah into captivity because they stopped obeying him and his laws. And so for Daniel, he started along with his other companions by keeping the law and not giving any credence to any of these other gods to whom the food was offered to before it came to them. So all of this devotion started in his heart because here's how verse 8 reads, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. And here's what this word resolved means. I want you to think about it. The word resolved means he purposed in his heart. And this is the significant thing about resolved. This is not a lip service. This is not something that he just went through the motions on. Or, you know, there were other people around and he was concerned about what they thought of him or their impression of him. And so he did it. But this is something not a pressure from the outside. This was not peer pressure from the outside. This was something that came from the inside. He had a purpose in his heart. He resolved in his heart. He was not going to defile himself with the king's meat. And this is very significant to the whole thought of devotion because it begins on the inside. There must be a starting point there must be a decision. It must come from within. And devotion to God must come from a resolution or a decision to follow him. It's not going to last if it's merely from the externals. It's not going to last if you're just going through the motions. It's not going to last if we're just doing it because other people think so. Because that's when they, when they don't know, when no one's there, when no one's watching, that's when... We say, why even bother? But when it comes from within, when it comes from our heart, that's when it can last. Devotion starts in our heart. Here's another thought about devotion. Groups help. I like this. Groups help. We'll never know how Daniel would have done all by his lonesome. You know why? Because he did it from his early days 
with three companions of his, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They partnered up from the very beginning, and especially in these early formative years and teens, let me grab a hold of you right now, how important it is for young people especially to group up those that are going in the same direction for Jesus Christ and to keep moving in the same direction together. I just want you to know group is influential. Group is powerful. God gives us others to help us advance more than we would advance all on our own. You know, there's a reason why AA is in a group or Jenny Craig is in a group or Weight Watchers is in a group or all of these other things are in a group. There's a reason why we try to do groups here at East Bay Calvary because group impacts who we are, it impacts our behavior, it impacts our life culture, it impacts our future. And God has given us each other. He's given us group. Groups help. And God expects us to resolve in our heart to follow him, and he expects us to follow him with others. He wants us to follow him with others who are following him also. Now think about this, and this phrase is critical for Daniel. Although Daniel was captured by the enemy, his heart never would be. That's the one thing Nebuchadnezzar never could grab was his heart. He had already given it away. It was already captured by someone else, and that's by God. It was devoted to God. He was resolved to be the person God desired him to be, and he was following God with others who were following God as well. So devotion starts in our heart. Here's another thing about devotion and how critical this is. Devotion experiences God's working. And I just want you to see this. I want you to embrace it. Man, I hope you experience this this morning. Devotion experiences God's working. And we see this all through this book. And it wasn't Daniel's devotion that made things happen, but rather his devotion was able to experience what God made happen. And there's three verses that I want to read for you from Daniel 1, and they prove God was the one that was working it all out. Daniel 1.9. Now with Daniel purposed in his heart, here's how this verse reads. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. That's what God did. Look at verse 17. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kind. God gave them that. And then here's a third verse, verse 20. Notice how this ended for Daniel and the others. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Wow, can you imagine that? I mean, God showed up in a huge way. God was making things happen for them. And this is just the very beginning. We're in the first chapter, folks. And you want to see God work? That's what devoted people experience. 
You want to see God show up? That's what people experience whose heart is devoted to God and who pursue him with other people. And I want you to just, just jump ahead to chapter 2 in Daniel and you're going to see God doing even more things in the lives of Daniel and his companions, things no one else could explain. And Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, they were in a why even bother situation, just like you and I can be in. Just like some of us experience even right now. And we're asking that question, why even bother? Who will know? In my disruption, who's ever going to find out? Does it even matter anymore? Let's talk about it. I want you to go to your comment. I want you to go to your chat because we need to say something about this, folks. Because here's the question. Why even bother? Why even bother? And I want to give you the answer, and I want you to put it in there, and I want you to put it in there with your situation. I want you to comment on it and chat about it. Why even bother? Here's the answer. Because it all matters to God. It all matters to God. Because my marriage matters to God. My devotion matters to God. My job matters to God. And I don't know what you might be saying, why even bother? But it all matters to God. My testimony matters to God. My purity matters to God. My thought life matters to God. Comment on it. Put it in there. It all matters to God. Whatever it is that in your life that's connecting on this right now, why even bother my Bible time matters to God. My prayer time matters to God. My witness to my neighbor matters to God. The way I love my spouse matters to God. How I parent my kids matters to God. That's why we even bother, because God cares about all of it. And even though no one sees, even though we think no one else will ever know, it all matters to God and a heart devoted to him. We step forward and we say, you know what? This is why I bother because it all matters to him and I'm following him. No matter if anyone sees, he does. It matters to him and I'm going to do it. That's who I'm going to be. So where do we start? Where do we start? Well, like Daniel, we need to declare you can disrupt my calendar. You can disrupt my job. You can disrupt my finances. You can disrupt my church schedule. You can disrupt my health. You can disrupt my routine. But you can't disrupt my heart. It's devoted to Jesus Christ. So where do we start? I'm going to give you three things, and then we're going to finish up. Number one, give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. You know, I, I just want to outline, it's more than church attendance. It, it's more than just watching online. 
It's praying a prayer and so much more. It's more than just reading your Bible and checking it off in the morning. It's believing that he died for your sin. It's leaving your old way and following after him with all of your heart. Give your heart and life to God. It's knowing that that I cannot earn God's favor on my own. I believe that Jesus died for me and I give my life to him. I'm going to follow after him with all of my heart and we start today. And here's how you can start today. You can acknowledge your sin. You can acknowledge your fallenness. You can acknowledge, you know what, I've blown it. And you can acknowledge that to God and then you can you can understand the reality that that Jesus came and died on the cross to bear the penalty for your sin. He's your forgiver. He's your leader. And then you live for him with all you have. That is giving your heart and life to God. And you know, that's where it all starts. There's a point where Daniel said, I am going to resolve in my heart to follow God. And that's where you need to start. Even today, that's where I need to start Everyone needs to start at that point. I believe Jesus died for me. I give my heart and life to Jesus Christ. Here's number two. Follow with others. Now this is, this is significant. Give your heart and life to God and then follow with others who've given their heart and life to God. I love this. I didn't say follow others. I said follow with others. You know, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. You know, God never meant any of us to follow alone. And, and we go better together. And so I just want to encourage you, don't go anonymous anymore. You know, if you popped online, don't, don't, go, don't go invisible on us anymore. Don't, don't be a loner at East Bay. What I'd love for you to do, if, if you've connected with us, make yourself known. It's time to follow along with us. We need to follow Jesus Christ together. And so for some of you right now, your next step is to make yourself known to us. Maybe to grab that connection card and say, you know what, here, here I go. I'm no longer invisible. Uh, I just want you to know who I am and put your name on there. Let us know who you are. Go in the chat comment and say, you know, I'm new here. This is me. And let people connect with you. But let's start to reach out. Maybe get our email. Go online to our website and get our email to one of our pastors or to our office and just say, here's who I am. But let's start to connect and and chat together and build some relationship. For some of you, you may know us. You may be a part of our church family, but you know what? You're not in a group with other people. That may be your next step. Let's get in a group. Be known to others in a special personal way. Let's get beyond just attending church, but tend to the church. Be a part of people's lives. Or even step three, be the person others need to follow alongside of. You might say, I don't know that I need someone to follow with. Well, you know what? Someone needs to follow along with you. And that might be your step, but follow with others. And then here's number three. And this is what I pray for you. And this is what I pray for our whole church family, whether you're in our Hammond Road campus or whether you are on your road campus. This is what I pray. 
that we experience God making things happen. That hearts devoted to him experience God making things happen. And it may not be the way that you would expect things to happen. It may not be how you always would have envisioned it. Daniel's life certainly wasn't. But man, did he see God do some awesome things. And that's what I want. That's what I want for our whole church. That we see God do awesome things. Exactly what he wants to do. I want God to do things in your life, in your marriage, in your home, with your kids, in your testimony, with your neighbor, in your job, with your character, in your relationship with him, that God does things through hearts devoted to him, just like with Daniel. That's what I'm praying for us. Let's give our heart to him. Let's be devoted to him. Let's follow him with others, and then let's experience him making things happen. So, you know, I'm going to be the last face you see here today. There's not going to be a host following me. And what I want to do is pray for you. So don't click off, because I want to see us be a people that have hearts devoted to Jesus Christ. And it all matters to him. So can I pray for you? Would you take a moment right there? You don't need to watch me. Would you bow your head with me? And let's pray to God and ask that he would have our hearts devoted to him and he would do great things in our midst. So Father, that's who we are today. We want to be like Daniel in a world that is saying, why even bother? Even with some people who profess to be Christians that say, why even bother? Father, may you have from us to be people that say, Lord, we have purposed in our heart to follow after you in every way. God, may we be devoted to you, even through the disruption. May our heart show it. May it come from the inside. May it be genuine and authentic. And Father, may we do this with other people. And we want to see you do great things. May you get the credit. May we celebrate all that you do in our midst, in our lives, in our church. Through hearts devoted to you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Have a great week. Enjoy your time with small group. And we will see you next Sunday on Church at Home.